So if you've got a Bible, you want to be turning to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 39. And we're going to talk about how you can be everything that God has made you to be. We're going to talk about freedom. We're going to talk about liberty. We're going to talk about being absolutely comfortable in your own skin and how being comfortable in who you are and how he made you to be is going to be a blessing to all those around you and how you're going to discover gifts, talents, dreams, capacities in Christ and that's going to be a blessing to the world. Matthew chapter 10 and start in verse 37 and you'll hear these words and you'll think, What's that got to do with an introduction that you've just given? If anyone, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me, then Jesus gives the absolute key to finding who you are what you are made to do. He says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. As human beings, we are naturally focused on ourselves. I don't know if you remember getting the school photograph. Do you remember the school photograph? Who was the first person you looked for when you got the school photograph home? (laughs) Yourself. And how did you decide whether it was a good picture or not? How you looked. If if I look good in it, we're buying it. We're getting the key ring. (laughs) We're getting the big version, the small version. We're sending it to the grandparents. And then we might look for our best friend. And and maybe we compare ourselves in the picture to our best friend. We check our own image first. And Jesus is saying in these verses, if you find yourself, you actually lose yourself. See, Jesus knows perfectly who he created you to be. He knows you absolutely and wonderfully. He says that your real self your authentic self, who he sees you and who he made you to be, is right now waiting for you in Christ. It's right now waiting for you in Christ. And and for most of us, what we call ourselves right now, who we say we are, and often the way we describe ourselves is what we do, You know, maybe a better question we should ask people is, who are you? (laughs) But actually the question we tend to ask is, what do you do? Who we call ourselves right now isn't everything that Christ imagined us to be. C.S. Lewis, in a radio broadcast in March 1944, said... What we call our personality right now is really a kind of meeting place 
for a whole load of different kind of influences. So some of who we are might be, well, we just learnt that from mum and dad, or we just learnt that from grandparents. That's the way we think, because that's the way my family fought, that's the way we handled conflict in my family, that's the way we did things in my family, that's who I am, I got that from my family. Some of it is just shaped by our education. You know, some of us come out of education and we, <clears throat> we say, my personality is I'm intelligent. Other people struggled in their education and say, well, I'm thick. And maybe a person who just struggled for their education is not stupid at all. It's just they had a bad experience in education, but that's what they call themselves right now. Sometimes we don't even know who we are, really, because we're bouncing around with life's pressures. Deadlines, looking for jobs, sorting out housing, going to parent evenings, commutes, different pressures. Sometimes we just don't know who we are, because all the time we're looking for a verdict from other people. In the little book that I'm, was selling, we've been selling the last couple of weeks, Timothy Keller says, it's like we live our lives in a courtroom and every week we're on trial. Sometimes the defence comes and we think, no, I've done lots of good things, I've been a good person, I've been sacrificial and generous, I must be a good person. Sometimes the prosecution says, no, you're not, you've done bad things, you're a bad person. Sometimes we just live our life not even knowing who we are, just craving a verdict. When we accomplish things, we feel good. When we have setbacks, we feel bad. Sometimes who we are as a person can just be there's lots of oppressive voices in our lives. The Bible talks about the oppression that can even come from the demonic, that tells us we're not good enough, we haven't done enough. Sometimes it can be the wounds that we carry. Our personality is shaped by someone influential in our lives who said something harsh or cruel. Sometimes it can be the wounds of other people's failures or our own perception of our own failures. Our personality isn't really coming through because there's so many wounds, broken spots. Or it can be the lies we believe about ourselves and who we really are. Rejection, perfectionism, fear, comparison, competition with other people. So C.S. Lewis says, yeah, who you are right now is a kind of meeting place for loads of stuff that's going on. And when we stop and pause, we realise, who actually am I when there's all this stuff the self that God intended you to be can only be enjoyed through coming to Christ in surrender. But who you were made to be cannot find complete free expression anywhere else than coming to Christ. 
You can't find it anywhere else. Why is that? Because God is the source, the originator, the creator of you and me. He's our origin. He knitted us together. He knows who we are. He designed us. He made us. There's nowhere else we can go to know who we truly are than to come to the creator of personality, God himself, in absolute abandonment. That's why Jesus says, whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And we can then come to the conclusion then, okay, if humanity can only find who they truly are through abandonment and yielding and surrender to Christ, doesn't that mean we'll all just be exactly the same then? Does that mean that instead of finding personality, you discover there is no individual unique personality, just Christ's personality kind of squashing down all our personality. If we all just come to Christ like this, do we cease to be unique and distinctive? And again, C.S. Lewis says, if you think about salt, salt is a very, very strong thing, and we would think that the power of salt would overwhelm a dish. But actually, salt brings out the unique flavour of a dish. And so in coming to Christ in complete surrender, rather than Christ dominating our personality, we discover who we truly are. That it's in Christ that we discover the unique dreams that we carry. We discover the desires that we carry. We can discover the likes and the temperament and our talents and our gifts. They, they get drawn out by Christ in coming to Christ like this. But here comes the challenge. Because I think you and I could find it really appealing, the idea of come to Christ to find out who you truly are. It's quite appealing. Come to Jesus and you'll discover your unique flavour and your unique contribution and your unique expression. That's really popular in our modern age. I want to be a unique talent, uniquely seen. I want to leave a legacy. I want to be somebody. So it could be a really popular message. Come to Christ. Christ will bring out your unique flavour. Now here's what Jesus means by lose your life, you can't come to Christ with the goal of finding your life. That can't be the motivation. It can't be I'm going to come to Christ with some kind of yielding and some kind of surrender and then when I come to Christ, I'll find out my personality. I'll find out who I am. I'll kind of come to this place where the mask can drop and I can be my authentic self and I can be free. 
We can't come to Christ with the goal of finding our personality. Coming to Christ in a way that brings freedom, anticipation and liberty requires that we come to Christ without even thinking what will happen to our personality, our desires, our outcomes and our dreams. And I think we find this really hard as human beings. We said right at the beginning, we're naturally focused on ourselves. And yet the way the gospel and the kingdom works is you can't find yourself without completely losing yourself in abandonment and yielding to Christ. It means, some other people say, it means loosening the death grip by which we hold on to things. God gives us all things to enjoy. God's the author of dreams, he's the author of desires, he's the author of delights. He's not a killjoy, but we can't know true liberation while we hold on to things like with a death grip and wanting certain outcomes. That the kingdom in its real complete liberation only works as we come to Christ with absolutely no strings attached. That's where he's taking us. That's where the life of being a disciple takes us. That's where the process is taking us to the point where we say, because you love me, I trust you. And because I trust you, I let go and I abandon who I'll be, what I'll do and what's going to happen to you and your faithfulness. It's quite a profound process that leads us to freedom. So the first and vital step of absolutely being free to be yourself is actually to completely forget about yourself, which is what that little book over there is talking all about. Gospel freedom is the freedom and the liberty of complete self-forgetfulness. That's the kind of liberty that Christ wants to bring us into. The kind of liberty, maybe you don't do this, but sometimes when my mind drifts off, you know in baseball they talk about hitting the home run, my mind drifts off into a fantasy world where I hit the spiritual home run. And maybe I'm the only person here who ever thinks like that. And I've, yeah, am I? Well, I've gone too far now, so I'll just talk about uniquely me. <laughs> My mind thinks, I do this amazing thing, maybe it's this amazing discovery. And then it goes to the next scene. I'm on the front of a magazine and the title is how did he do it how did he hit that home run 
Wow, I really feel alone right now. <laughs> you guys are so... You, you, don't, you don't think like this, do you? <laughs> and we just want to discover ourselves as a special person. Five months ago, this lady came up to me. I think she was one of the people on the, the team from Eastgate. And she said, are you Jamie Lee? Fantasy home run. <laughs> wow, you, you've heard, yeah, you've heard about me. <laughs> it's not out loud, I'm not saying this out loud. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jamie Lee. No, she said, I mean, are you really Jamie Lee? Yeah, I am. What do you want to know? <laughs> like, I mean, is your first name Jamie and your surname's Lee, or are you Jamie Lee? Oh. <laughs> Deflated. <laughs> Deflated. I live the kind of, you know, the balloon that puffs up and you're filled with the accomplishment and the moment of deflation when that's not really what she was asking at all. <laughs> so we have to come to Christ with an utter abandonment of what it will mean. It can't be coming to Christ with the idea that this is the way I'm going to do better at work or this is the way I'm going to achieve something or this is the way something in my family is going to be sorted. It has to be I let go of every, every outcome. I forget about my personality. That true freedom and your true personality is only discoverable or findable if you are looking for or seeking something else, namely Christ. Amen. That's the only way you can find out who you truly are when you no longer have any pursuit of finding out who you are, that you are looking for Christ. Like for example, if you make a good impression on somebody, isn't it often because you've stopped thinking about what sort of impression you're making on somebody? Have you ever done that? You've gone to an interview, whatever it is in life, you're not even thinking about yourself, you're just being you. Just expressing who you are, your passions, you're not trying to be impressive, you're not trying to make it bigger than it is, you're just saying, this is just what I can bring, this is who I am. And you completely forget about yourself. Have you ever got so anxious and nervous and fumbled your words and got it all wrong because you were absolutely desperate in that moment to make a good impression? And you beat yourself up and you think, I looked foolish, I looked silly. Because you were trying to make a good impression, you ended up not being your true and authentic self. So here it is, when you give up yourself, who you are, the impression you're making, whether you're successful, whether you're significant, whether this is going to happen or that's going to happen, when you give up yourself, Jesus is saying here, you find your real self. When you lose your life, you find it. 
Again, I'm quoting C.S. Lewis. I've just been listening a lot to him recently. He's, a wonder, he's the guy who wrote Narnia. He's written some great spiritual books. Go, you know, the broadcast I was li- listening to goes back to 88 years ago. When we put first things first, when we put first things first, namely, I'm going after Jesus, we get first and second things. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added onto you. But when we seek second things first, we end up losing both first and second things. When you look for Christ, you get Christ and everything else thrown in. Can I promise you that every desire and dream you've got right now is what you'll get? No, I can't. But the dream is, it it ceases to really matter because you got Christ and you trust him and you look for his wisdom to work it all out. When you look for yourself, you lose yourself and often you suffer with stress and desperation and discouragement and heartache, emotional, sometimes ruin inside because you're so desperate trying to make something happen. But when you get things in the right order, you get life. Remember there was a night, we have a loft and with the window open and you can often hear foxes and I don't know what's going on when but there's some fights going on that sound terrifying, I don't know if you heard them. And there was one night where it went on and on and on, these two foxes fighting. And Rochelle said, compassionately, why don't you just hurry up and die? (laughs) (laughs) And I heard God say, and you too. I thought, that must be the sound I make in heaven. What's that kind of whining, holding on, death grip? Prayers that are more about my agenda and my timing and what I want to happen. Fantasy home runs that I turn into prayers and prophesy over myself. <laughs> Hurry up and die. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. I think it's, is it Joni Erickson who suffered when she got married? She, had, she jumped into the sea and she became a paraplegic on a honeymoon. And she said, the call to pick up your cross and die is the loneliest personal call there is. It's a very personal call. It's a call to go to Gethsemane on your own. You know, the garden where Jesus prayed before the cross. It's the moment where you personally say, not my will be done, but yours. It's the personal decision to, to die, to pick up your cross. Not because God is not offering life, but by faith knowing, wow, this is the doorway to life. This is the narrow gate that's leading to the wide open place because you've got a life for me. When America was 
trying to get into space, one of the first things they needed to do was to break the sound barrier. Because they needed to get, I think it's, it's at 750 miles an hour or something, they needed to get to break the sound barrier, and they were pushing and pushing and pushing. And one time, the, uh, uh, one of the planes was attempting to break the sound barrier, and the plane exploded and someone died. And another pilot took on the challenge and they, they, they pressed for about six or seven times to break the sound barrier. And eventually they did it. And this guy said, on the route to breaking the sound barrier, it was like everything shook. But when we broke the sound barrier and went at a speed that no one had ever been at before, it was like he said, passing through jelly. It was literally nothing to go from one Mac to another, however they described speed. And again, in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, the guy goes on to say, the writer in that book, using the illustration, says, that's like us. We break the sound barrier. And it feels like on the journey to break the sound barrier, there's a lot of shaking that goes on. It's uncomfortable. But then he says, actually, the moment of breaking the sound barrier and you discover your true, authentic, personal self, it's like passing through jelly. You think, what was all the pain and the fuss about? This is so easy. This, I never want to go back to thinking about myself. I want to just live in this new, expansive place. That God has... Like that pilot did something that had never been done on the earth before. No one had ever travelled at that speed before. There's never been a you on the planet ever. Never been you and me ever on the planet. The world is watching and the hosts as it were, they talk about in Hebrews 12, the witnesses are watching to see what it looks like when you break the sound barrier. It's never been seen before what it would look like for you to lose your life, to find your life, and be who he imagined you to be. No one has ever travelled at that speed before. And the doorway... Is a lot of, lot of shaking, so a dying, but a going into a wide open space where you discover, this is who I am. And you know what? It might not be radical change in any of your circumstances. It just might be that when you walk in the room, you just don't care what other people think and you don't even care what you think and all you care about is what God thinks. Who knows what that's going to sound like where you are, in your workplace, in your family, in your life. It might be that as you, as it were, break the sound barrier and discover who you are in Christ, ideas and inventions might come along. Why? Because you don't really care about impressing anybody anymore. You're not looking to find that discovery so that you'll be special. You already know you are special. That liberates your mind to be able to discover in your profession. It might be hard conversations that you've never been able to have. You'll be able to have because you're liberated from the fear of what people might think. 
It's a whole load of stuff. You might just go to bed at night and thinking, do you know what, it's been an amazing day. Can I say I've done anything spectacular or amazing? No, I just loved people, I encouraged people, I forgot about myself and I thought about those around me. It could be a whole host of things. Sometimes, why don't we want to pray for that sick person? It's because we're terrified of what it, may look, what it might look like, what they might think of us if nothing happens. Imagine just loving people well and not caring. Just loving so well that you're not thinking about being impressive or making an impression or anything like that. Jesus says, if you find yourself, you lose yourself. If you lose yourself, you find yourself. As it's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It just, just makes perfect sense. It's no fool who gives up what they cannot keep to gain what they can't lose.